What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Legends of Athletics podcast. Of course, you know me, uh, Justin Miller. I'm with you always and all the time uh, in each episode because, quite frankly, it's my podcast. But uh, today I have another guest with me. I have Dr. Simone Maven with me. Um, it's very unique how we connected, again, through the power of social media and the positives of social media. Um, I followed her, looked at some of her content. And I like some of the, the content that she posts and the work that she posts and it's quality, not so much as quantity. Um, and it's very it's very pertinent information, very good information that we all could use in our daily lives. But before we get into the meat of this podcast, I'm going to allow her a little time just to introduce herself, give you more of her background. Uh, not too many other accolades. I'm just kidding. But we are we're going to let her jump right into it. And so some doctor. Dr. Maven, I'm gonna let you uh give a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself, okay? Yeah, yeah, thanks so much. Uh first of all, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity um to speak with you today. Um I know you've had some uh, very awesome guests from the homework I've done when I learned about your podcast and listening to some of your guests. Honored to be uh, part of the efforts you're putting forward to, you know, drop knowledge on people on very important topics. And so thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yes, ma'am. Um, a little bit about me, um, I'm a medical doctor. I've finished all my formal training um, just this past year where I'm a specialist in uh, interventional spine and pain. Essentially, uh, what that means is just able to um, help people with pain in more advanced uh, ways other than just you know, standard surgeries and, um, and medications. And so we kind of think outside the box. So it's a comprehensive way of looking at treating people with um, acute or chronic um, symptoms. My background before going into that was in physical medicine and rehabilitation. That might be mm -hmm. a new one for some of y'all. That's a field of medicine that's newer compared to compared to things we know about like cardiology or uh, family medicine. Physical mm -hmm. medicine rehabilitation really looks at um, the way the body moves and we are kind of the experts of the bones, the joints, the nerves, and how all those connect without doing surgery. So you might look at us in a simple way as a non-surgical orthopedic surgeon, you know? And mm -hmm. so um, I really, I fell in love with that field because it really encompasses my personal interests. All the things I like to do with fitness and health and um, looking at having a healthy lifestyle. Prior to going to medical school as a personal trainer, I did a lot of fitness competitions, you know, uh, ran track, played basketball, all those things as an athlete. And so, mm -hmm. Um, as I transitioned from that, leaving college, going to that next level, you know, you kind of look at, hey, if you're an athlete, you're always looking for what's that next challenge, right? There's, we could do a whole right. on what is it like to compete when there's nothing else to compete against, you know, one else to compete against, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I entered the world of bodybuilding and got my professional status from that back in 2013. And so essentially what I do now is combine all those interests um, and really look at helping people from a way that's a comprehensive approach to living their best healthy life. It doesn't mean you got to be a bodybuilder like me. It doesn't mean, mm -hmm. you know, you got to run track, play, play basketball, whatever we can do to get you there, make you a healthier, healthier self. And so a little bit about me right now, um, just focusing in on, you know, really focusing in on my nutrition and health coaching businesses um, that I like mm -hmm. to um, share interest. And so that's kind of where I'm putting a lot of my energy now that I'm wrapping up that formal training in medicine. 
And that's that's very unique, uh, even with uh, um, being a doctor of uh, physical rehabilitation, physical and rehabilitation. Um, mm-hmm. I know when I worked in the hospital, uh, of course, I still work in the hospital, PRM, but working at rehab at the hospital, um, I've heard of a doctor like that. And it was kind of new because when I heard, it, I was like, what exactly do you do? And he kind of explained it. And so I, I felt like it was a relatively new field. Uh, but that's very interesting to say the least. And so, you know, you've talked to us or explained a little bit about your background as far as being a track athlete, uh, playing different sports, and then getting into bodybuilding. Um, so, if I could, how, uh, if I could jump right into it, so what influenced you to practice a healthy lifestyle? Because I'm, I'm sure sports had a, played a major role, but what kept you going after sports was done? Was it your competitive drive or? just wanting to be a healthy person mm-hmm. um for me actually i had this uh really serious medical condition that occurred at an early age um i was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when i was at the air force academy where i did my college um in colorado springs um when i was mm-hmm. about maybe 22 23 i was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and i'm talking about full-blown everything, every joint affected, you know, health went down, spiraling, um, had to make a lot of modifications to the things I was required to do at the academy. Um, started seeing a specialist, um, got on a serious medication, um, still, you know, trying to trust through. I mean, academy is, you know, very formal education. This is not a place, if you can't do the game, I mean, you just, they let you go, kind of like sports. If you can't do what is required, that's it. You can go to a normal college. And so I, I hung in there, I fought in there, but like, man, it just dawned on me how, uh, how much my body could not do. And I was depressing for me to go from that high level performance to suddenly be like, oh, I can barely um, get out of my bed or open the door or hold my toothbrush in the morning. Um, and so you really start to get a perspective of being grateful that you can get up and move. You know, the good days that I have with people with, um, autoimmune diseases or any other chronic illness to tell you that there's good and bad days. Um, on those good days, man, I was out there in the gym. I was hitting my elliptical. Man, I like, probably worked out two and a half, three hours. Just like, oh, I could work out. I could work out. Yeah. <laughs> so, it really gives that appreciation for movement. You know, I really started to look mm-hmm. at opportunity to work out as a blessing and as, you know, a thing I didn't want to let pass me by because I was healthy. And so from there, I just kind of took it every opportunity to continue to get better um, and maximize my health. Um, mm-hmm. after that. that was really a turning point for me. And that that's pretty unique, too. I mean, especially being so young, you have to find ways to cope and kind of get around that and work around that that um, that ailment that's, that's kind of holding you back because you're progress and your progression and programming will be a little different because it wouldn't be like a normal person where you have programmed rest days in it kind of would just depend on what your body is feeling and how you could what you could perform and do for that day um so that that is very unique i mean how how can people gain i mean from that how do we because i'm sure your your eating habits influenced a, a lot of what you were doing um you know, so what was your was your diet having any effect as far as like the arthritis and stuff goes, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's um, a lot of work being done in the world of inflammatory diseases to see, or autoimmune disease in particular, to see if foods that cause more inflammation in your body could 
contribute to this overactive uh, response. You know, rheumatoid arthritis is a disease in which the immune system essentially attacks itself. It recognizes normal receptors in the body as an enemy. Mm-hmm. It starts to degrade those joints or other tissues in the body. And so the concept really around the uh, low inflammation foods um, what is to kind of decrease that response overall. And so I took that on as an effort early on um, to see if this, you know, eliminating foods that were supposed to be more inflammatory than others um, would adjust. And then, I mean, even as a college student, you know, avoiding toxic behaviors because, you know, being around things like drinking and smoking, man, that was not even an option at that point. I mean, if we're talking about certain you know, processed foods causing these symptoms. You mm-hmm. can sure but I was not going to be around those other toxic um, chemicals because I was trying to avoid that. So early on, as a young person, I was avoiding things introduced to my body. So mm-hmm. it became behavior, which we'll talk about a little bit more. It already became a behavior for me where I was already having to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what we're going to notice um, when people are making lifestyle changes it's just being aware. That first step is being aware. So it already was in my habit as a very young 20 something year old person where usually you're kind of living your best life going, Hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, man, I got to make the right decision for me. or I'm going to have a bad, bad tomorrow, bad whole week or whatever. Yeah. And then those, that favors, I think carry to the next several years, but obviously with the goals changing and getting more intense, obviously more intentional, um, the, you know, the level of guiding kind of picking up in terms of how much I'm paying attention. But the first step is just really paying attention. Yeah. And that's, and that's a big thing too. I mean, what we grow up as, and I mean, if you want to delve into this, we can, but I know like our backgrounds and our way of living as far as when we're growing up has a huge, plays a huge role and influences us a lot as far as like the way we eat and our eating patterns, et cetera. Like you said, I mean, in the twenties, I mean, I remember especially being in college, you know, stand up to one, two in the morning, and eating pizza and not having any, any effects of that at all. But the older you get, the more, you know, you, you you have those effects. You know, it may be acid reflux. It may just be feeling like crap the next day. But, you know, you feel that stuff a little bit more. So then you have to, uh, what a lot of people struggle with is growing up as adults because we're just older kids, but we grow up and we go through the life and we get older. And they have to make those adjustments and learn how to eat healthier and eat cleaner. And it's not as fun for them because the foods may not be as sweet um, and they may not be as um, pleasing uh, uh, as far as appearance goes because they may not taste the same. But, you know, you have to learn how to make those healthier lifestyle choices and learn balance. There is a a healthy balance that you can have. But one thing I will ask you, because I, I mean, you're a woman. And I think a woman's opinion matters more because it's like me talking to men or and you talking mm-hmm. to women. Um, sometimes women listen a, a little bit more when it's somebody of the same sex as them. Mm-hmm. How do uh, how could women de- develop healthy eating habits? Because I know there are a lot of women out there when they try to lose weight and stuff. The first thing they go to is under eating and uh, severely under eating as far as calorie wise and things like that. Um, what what's what's a way for them to develop healthy eating habits and not be afraid of food, I guess would be the, the better. Yeah, that's a that's a really nice transition going kind of from what you describe as not having to focus so much on those eating habits in your twenties, eating pizza at night. Okay, now I'm starting to hone in and think about my choices and how do I make those choices and what 
you know, what's that first step is what I hear you asking. Mm -hmm. um, this is right in my wheelhouse, man. Right now, we could go all day. So let me, <laughs> let, me, let me hone in. So I think, you know, particularly, you know, if I'm going to, I would say let's step back globally first, just kind of looking at men and women making that, that first step is first just kind of, you always got to look at your goal, right? And so what, what am I trying to achieve? whether you're female or male, what are we trying to achieve? And sometimes labeling that is, is the most difficult step. You know, when I do health coaching, um, I can spend 20 minutes on talking with, you know, you about your goal. Because you come to me saying, hey, I need, want to work on XYZ. Man, not that it's wrong, but this is what my job is. Sometimes it could take three sessions, meaning three, three hours mm -hmm. to get ready to label a goal. So if at the beginning of your process, you don't even know what your goal is, you just, oh, well, I'm going to eat healthy. What is, I mean, number one, we just know when we look back at um, achievement, whether it be with the sport or academic or healthy habits, you need a goal to kind of outline where we're going mm -hmm. because our gr groundwork is going to be built on those action steps to get there. You know, we have to develop a plan as much as we don't want to because that's the reason you know where a lot of people struggle sometimes is not want to really kind of take time you know the patience to put that together i think you got to step back and say okay what are my steps to get to that that goal right. I mean, everybody needs these two elements you know the goal the action steps the why you know why am i doing this mm -hmm. is a big sometimes a real big big thing what's the map when, to get there gotcha yeah thank you when we talk about looking at women in particular, gosh, I mean, this, this really starts to look at um, where is this need to change coming from? I think sometimes women are driven by a little bit different reasons than men if we want to look at the gender differences for the change. Is this change for you coming from a recent birth of a child? Is it coming from pressures from society, the way women look on social media these days? Is it coming from... A partner that you're dating um is it a help some health things that you're working on getting to and so i think you know women have a little bit different um a little bit different motivators than men and some of those can be in a negative way mm -hmm. so some of those things can kind of root in our mind oh i gotta change because so-and-so needs me to change or wants me to change or i want to look like this person i saw on tv she's super you know, motiv you know, motivating body I want to have. And I encourage women in particular to kind of step back and just say, you know, what's reasonable within where I'm at right now? You know, what, what makes sense for me? What are my goals? What's my why? Mm -hmm. And then approach, you know, and then that next step from there, my, my big plug on that is not being scared to ask for help. You know, we're quick as individuals to ask for help when we don't know how to fix our car and we don't know how to invest money into a special retirement account. But when it comes to our health, for some reason, you know, our, our temple, we are, we'll go 50 years mm -hmm. and not ask anybody for a diet or for a workout plan. You, you live in this. You live in, this is your vessel and you won't ask someone for help. I mean, man, I got a lot of issues with people who just not, well, I don't trust, don't trust so-and-so with your car. You know, you trust so-and-so with your money in the bank. You know, just stepping out there to ask for help, I think is the number one step for women because I think. They're gonna hit Google. They're gonna hit so and so's, you know, fitness videos on Instagram, mm -hmm. and that might not be what they need to be doing. So you're gonna get off track doing these fad diets. That's that don't get me started on fad diets. And you're gonna you'd be doing all these things that are hurting you. 
step one is just ask for some basic help, be willing to make a little baby investment. There's always somebody within your price range. And trust me, if somebody even approaches me and you come at me with a very earnest, hey, man, this is where my financials are, but I desperately need help. If you meet, if you know me, I'm going to figure out how to help mm-hmm. you. There are people like that. You know, there are people out there that's willing to help women to say, okay, let me just give you some basic starting tips for free. Mm-hmm. But I think people are scared to ask. And the you reason, know? and the reason that I kind of w- went into that question uh, is not to be, you know, sexist or to be like women, men, but I know dudes are more so when it comes to like a man won't ask for directions. A man won't ask how to build something. But when it comes to putting on mm-hmm. muscle and stuff, men will be like, hey, how do I do X, Y, Z? Not that they'll do it, but they'll ask. Mm-hmm. Women more so go, like you said, to the route of looking it up and just going into this bliss of unsure or a lame point of just trying it, uh, throwing the kitchen sink at a problem and not really knowing if it's working or if it fits their lifestyle, if it fits them. And one thing that I can say is uh, Dr. Maven is a little different than many doctors that I've talked to or many doctors that I've even been around because, and I'm not knocking doctors by any stretch because we need doctors as well as everybody else. But with many doctors, you'll get the problem and not the solution. What I mean is they'll diagnose you. They'll, they may say, especially here in Mississippi, we're one of the top top states as far as obesity. They'll say, hey, you need to lose weight. You need to do this, that, and the other. But they never give you, all right, what do I need to do to lose weight? Like, how do I get the weight off? Obviously, you know how to put it on, or you may not know how to put it Or you may have like a... Um, What's some issues that cause weight gain? You may have like a, uh, I can't even think of the words right there on the tip of my tongue. Arthritis in the knees, arthritis in the knees, a thyroid problem. Yeah, you may have thyroid um, issues or something like that. And so mm-hmm. if you just tell me, hey, you need to lose weight, and I'm sitting there, I'm already, already, you already told me this stuff, that I got these issues going on, I'm sitting here like, lose weight? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes so much to, to lose weight. I mean, we can go into the, the epidemiology of it all, and we can go into the socioeconomic statuses and the fact that some of these foods that help in that process cost a little bit more than the ones that are not healthy. So there are many factors, but, you know, I always put it like this. What is the cost of making your body putting your body in the best position that you can while being alive in your right mind being well versus not caring at all and just letting yourself go until whatever's gonna happen mm-hmm. that's kind of the way i think about it um mm-hmm. not saying everybody has to do supplementation everything like that but you just have to think about all these things um mm-hmm. you know so how can you know you kind of allude to the, how, how do you gain how can we gain a healthy relationship with food even for those who've grown up as McDonald's kids, Burger King kids, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, so I, let me give you an ideal answer, what I, what I hope the world to be, and then what the reality is. So the ideal answer um, is that we start with children and you teach young. And so one of the efforts I do just kind of as a, you know, I'm, I'm out there on the ground kind of not trying to make any money is I go and I do small groups of educating um, kids on how to make choices, you know, smart choices. That's a a skill, man. First of all, you're talking about children. Like, I'm not a teacher, but I got to figure out how to speak to these young kids, depending on where they're at, whether they're six or whether they're 16 Mm -hmm. in school, 
um, there's choices that they're making. They're in an environment where they actually don't even control who buys the food. Have to right, right. They, um, they're playing sports. They do. Man, that is a challenging group. But I, you know, I'm not scared of a challenge, and I find that very exciting to get out there and start working with the kids on how do I help them make choices? How do we talk about food labels? If you can learn how to read a read a book and go through all these complicated classes these kids are doing in school these days. Man, you can teach them how to read a label and analyze that, but that's not taught in the school. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going through food line, I get it. You know, most of those children are going to pick food off the hotline. Some of them are going to bring food from home. Um, lots of lots of socioeconomic um, issues here we will avoid. But, you know, there are that's still choices to be made. There's still some thought process. They're kind of like how you and I get to the point to where, hey, I know this is an unhealthy choice that I am making. That's all we need sometimes is awareness, right? Mm-hmm. You know? A 16 or 17 year old that really wants to go to play college level sport is going to actually be able to make that informed level decision. So that's my ideal answer is putting a lot of energy to our kids. I, I would hope that parents would do the time, the time that they can rather than, gosh, don't even get me started on the way they think their kids food. You know, like, they're, oh, my kids got to eat these particular snacks. You know, they got to learn how to eat mm-hmm. corn dogs. And no, your kids can also <laughs> eat real food, but you don't train them. To eat that when they're children, you think kids need to eat kids' food. Mm-hmm. But when I am around um, the fitness professionals that are mothers around me, and they say, No, my kids eat what I eat. When I'm cooking, cooking my asparagus, my broccoli, my chicken, you know, my meal prep for the week, see, they just started young treating their, you know, teaching their kids this is what we eat at home. Mm-hmm. And we all know the price difference and things. So I'm not talking about, you know, filet mignon and all the, the top salmon and asparagus, which we know cost more than. Um, basic frozen peas and carrots but hey there's basic frozen peas and carrots mm-hmm. and there's the, the bulk tilapia there's the bulk chicken you know it doesn't always have to be that um be that quote-unquote kid food so i think a lot of the education starts at home until we can embark upon it being in the schools or if there's more people that want to join me hey hit me up because i you know that's what i'm really excited about um but i think after you know that i you know, if we continue to work on working towards that ideal situation in which um, the behaviors are made at the young level, we won't even be in the position we're in mm-hmm. when we're getting to, you know, freshman 15, and then that's when they have their first struggle with, with weight, and then they never lose the weight, and then boom, here we go, you set, set up at 19 years old to be overweight because we didn't set you up for success, you know, or some catastrophic trauma occurs in a, in a patient's life, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. injury for uh, athlete. Um, God forbid, you know, some, some personal trauma in one's life and then they gain this weight later in life and then they can't lose it because they never learned the basics when they were just young to start with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an ideal is really building these options early. I think in the real world, you know, giving people, um, people a, a platform to make choices and not fearing food is really where we're headed. So when I work with a nutrition client, I work within their, their confinement of their life, work within their schedule. I don't force a bodybuilding regimen. I mean, that's top 2% of athletes are going to be bodybuilders and are willing to do this ridiculous schedule we do for our food. That's not what I'm talking about. Man, we're just trying to get you to eat some food that's healthy, mm-hmm. you know, reasonable, you 
window schedule throughout the day. And so when I look at incorporating what they like rather than trying to flee from it, that's better. When I look at um, not being scared to eat, that is really what I fight with the most. I mean, I was just talking with a client last night. And he, oh, I'm going to have a birthday dinner tonight. Um, I don't know if I should um, have another cheat meal because I just had a cheat meal like earlier this week. Exactly. So maybe I won't eat my other two meals because I'm going to eat that. I said, hot, stop, halt, no, you just have to go, do not collect $200. I said, nope, we are stopping this behavior where we starve to binge. That is a, a, a behavior I see a lot, mostly in women. But I think even men, oh, I'm going to the barbecue later today. I'm not going to eat breakfast or lunch or whatever. Just going fast until gonna you get, get there. <laughs> yeah. And so, but when I said, hey, you know what I want you to do is practice getting out of what that reflex is for you. And I want you to eat those meals you would have ate today. And then I want you to go ahead and enjoy. And we're just going to call this a second cheat meal. Let's just call it what it is. But I want you to do it within reason. And knowing you ate all that food today, you're probably going to eat a little bit more moderate. And I want you to just practice mm -hmm. eating it and being okay. And I think when you start to um, encourage people to include things, the things that are missing from their diet, you know, if it's vegetables or if it's lean meats or if it's water or whatever it is, focus on including things. When we start to get to omission is when people start to have a healthy view of food. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. Mm -hmm. That's negative tell people they can't do something people don't like that right in any aspect of life when you do that with food you're going to start developing those negative that's why i don't believe in bad diets because you are believing it shows that you're practicing absolute omission uh, absolute omission of carbohydrates is not sustainable absolute omission of dairy unless you have lactose intolerance is not sustainable if you were doing that just for a fun thing to do i guarantee we're going to be back you know, call me, call me in three months, man. You know, yeah. over. <laughs> that's what, that's what I always say. I mean, it, it's not, you don't want to look at food as a punishment. That's why I always talk about having a healthy relationship with it. There are going to be good days. You're going to have bad mm -hmm. days, but you have to, mm -hmm. as the point was made earlier, you have to remember what the goal is and be patient. Um, a lot of times mm -hmm. you got to remember too, it didn't take, Rome wasn't built overnight. And it all is for darn sure wasn't torn down overnight. The same thing with your body. You didn't gain that weight overnight, so you're not going to lose it overnight. Some people come and they go to fitness professionals or health professionals and they ask these questions and they get the meal plans. And if they don't see a 20-pound reduction in weight in two weeks, then they're defeated and want to give up and quit. But what you have to uh, remember, too, is that it's not all about the scale, one. And two, your overall health is the biggest thing. Like, your overall health goes not only in weight loss, but your mental health and spiritual health. And if you're on a diet where you feel like, uh, if I eat this, I'm setting myself back three days. Or if I do this, then, you know, you're in a punishment mindset. So you're not even going to stick with it anyway. <laughs> because when it's over with, when that 12 weeks is over or that eight weeks is over, whatever, you're going to go right back to what you were doing. And it's probably going to be two times worse because you're going to bend so much because you, you cut yourself off. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just going to be nasty and just, mm -hmm. it's not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, right. 
I tell people that all the time, especially like when they go into this extreme mindset, I'm like, okay, you can do it, but it's not sustainable. And whenever you come off and your brain finally kicks in and you start going to delirium, then it's going to be bad. The delirium. I'm just, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's not a, it's not a good look. Let me piggyback off of that because you bring up a very good point that you kind of edged on, but I want to go just hit it all okay. right in the face. It's when you talk about um, health, like you just said, health is not just looks. It's not just performance. That's the majority of what people think when they contact you or I or some of the other folks. But it's not just looks and performance, right? So when I look at health as on a global level, you know, you kind of talked about your, your mindset and the way you perform. But when I look at health, I look at multiple aspects of it. And they all affect one another. And when you, like, spokes on a wheel, they all come to a center point. And the center point on this wheel of health is compassionate self-awareness. So compassionate self-awareness is an item I have to spend the most time in describing to people. But compassionate self-awareness not only is being self-aware is described, hey, I know where I'm going to fall short on this. I know when I need support systems. I know this type of um, coping mechanism doesn't typically work for me. Or, hey, I know all these things about me. This is what I need for success. The compassionate part comes, hey, I know I was just moving across country this week. The fact that I didn't do my diet perfect, hey, at least I ate a couple salads. I, you know, I integrated mm-hmm. some healthy habits. I'm going to let myself have a little awareness in this moment, uh, a little compassion in this moment that um, this is where I need to get. Hey, the kids are having a challenge this week. The energy is on them. Compassionate self-awareness is continuing to reevaluate all these elements of health as you kind of go through life. And so the elements real quick that I like to focus on is your daily rhythm and balance. What does your schedule look like? When that's hectic, I guarantee you all the other things are going to be hectic. Movement, exercise, the stuff, you know, that's, uh, is obvious. Mm-hmm. Food, obvious. Environment. What is your home setting like? What is work like? Are those things you can change? Are there things contributing from a stressful level that are making the movement part stressful? Your schedule stressful. Your sleep. We could go on and on about that. Mm-hmm. Relationship, community. Are you? Do you have have support? Do you feel connected? Do you feel like you're contributing to the community? Is that the value to you? Are you contributing in a way that you want to? Your mind-body connection, that's that, um, that's that meditation piece that that's important to you, mindfulness, you know, feeling, um, we talk about mindful eating sometimes, you know, feeling full as you eat. Mind-body connection for a lot of people is sometimes missing and they're not getting that feedback. Mm-hmm. Spirit and soul. You have a spiritual connection that's important to you and is a very high value. To you. Well, that's off because you've kind of let that go. I guarantee you something on, the, some of the spokes on this wheel are going to start to fall off. So spirituality is a very high value to you. Something is going to, and you not, you're not maximizing that. Something on this is going to falter. So a lot of times what I encourage people to do, when they, first thing they come to me, hey, I want to work on losing weight. I want to work on um, getting back at this size or performing faster. I want to be able to do a competition. All right, let's back up. Because if you're not doing, if you're not sleeping well, if your environment is very stressful, if you're working 20 hours a day, mm-hmm. then we might need to reevaluate, you know? And so I really encourage us to look at health when I talk about things from all these aspects because without, when one is way, way, way off, we will continue to struggle with getting the other ones in line. That's, that's very true. Um, 
I know another point that we kind of talked about earlier because, man, we, I, if you, I, I wish I could see this outline because it's a lot, but <laughs> we're probably not going to get to. But um, <laughs> when we're looking at food, and I, I learned this, uh, of course, in, in college, um, and I remember it being something that I never really thought of until I got out of school. But when it comes to looking at food labels, you know, we oh, first of all, when it comes to food, we deem healthy versus unhealthy. Now, I'm going to talk to y'all in the sense of the normal person. The normal person probably thinks when they go in the grocery store and they're trying to make a decision between healthy and unhealthy foods, one of the main things people look for is organic. And I'm let, and I, I got, I ain't going to lie, I stole this from you, Dr. Dr. Maybe, because uh, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes. So I'm just going to let you know this is where it came from because it made me think of it. No problem. So you look at organic versus, versus non-organic food. So the average person would go to the organic food because – out of our heads, what you've seen on commercials, what you've seen in the news, everything else is going to say organic's better. Also, mm-hmm. the other thing is when we're looking at foods, you can take a food like uh, like tuna or something, and it has, you got tuna in water, and you got tuna in oil. So you look at it, and you look at the back of the label. This is what I'm talking about with the food labels for everybody listening. You look at the back of the label, you look at the macro, so you're looking at your proteins, your fats, and your carbs. And then you look at the other things. Like me, I look at the sodium levels, too, because that's very important to me. Because a lot of sodium, if you overeat your sodium, and I'm trying not to confuse people because I know I can, whatever. But if you eat too much sodium, that can cause you to retain a little more water than you want to, which caused me, for my body, to feel like crap because I just don't like that watery feeling, feeling like a water bed walking around. So (laughs) it's not good for me. But then when you go and you're trying to make these choices, the three things I would always say look at as far as macronutrients goes, your protein levels, your carb levels, and your fat levels. Now, as far as numbers go, that goes into a whole nother thing. But you also you always want to make sure you're getting plenty of protein. A lot of people today under eat protein, and so therefore you get a lot of carbs or empty empty calories uh, for no reason. But, um, Dr. May, I'm going to let you dive into that one a little deeper because I feel like you probably, especially being a woman, you could explain it a lot better than I can as far as mm-hmm. making a healthy versus unhealthy choice and how to read that label, interpret that lo- that label to put you in the best position as far as choosing mm-hmm. the right foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if I can do it better, but I know I have my take on it. So I'll, All right. definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely share my thoughts on it. So, um, yeah, so what you're referencing is I think in episode three on my podcast, Healthy 365, I talk about organic food truths and, what I go in on there is kind of helping people to kind of, you know, venture through what needs to be eaten organic and what does not. That's a big, a big topic. Like you said, it comes up where you fall into these traps of marketing. You know, there's billions of dollars spent on marketing. And at the end of the day, people just go with whatever the, the package says. And unfortunately, um, they do not care about our health. They only care about the dollars. So if they need to put a little grain picture on the front and somebody buys it, well, they got it you know, probably has zero fiber. And so the main thing, because it can be very overwhelming, kind of like you started saying, well, I know I can get a little carried away here. It can be overwhelming if I go in on every macronutrient, every mineral um, that's on there. So the most, the, the, the best tip I can give people is to kind of focus in on elements of labels that might mean the most to them or where they're at. So for example, um, not just this is a fact, but uh, for everyone. But for example, most humans that are young and healthy and active don't need to focus 
that much on the sodium. However, if you have a diagnosis of congestive heart failure, 1,000%, the number one critical thing on the package for you as a patient is the sodium. And so if you're trying to hone in on the elements, that will that item, your bo- most pe- people's bodies, unless you're eating very unhealthy foods that we know have high sodium, like uh, fast, uh, fast food. Um, yeah, you go through that line twice a day, you just probably ran over your sodium at least. 1500 milligrams exactly so those items is very obvious we're going to be way over the edge but honestly you and me and other people for going through our daily life you know a lot of one of the things that gets a little bit over analyzed and overdone is people limiting sodium too much and you're like what 25 and you're living your normal life your body, mm-hmm. i'm wrong with your body if i can't process a, an extra 200 milligrams of sodium like that's not a reasonable thing to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. That's just an example. Now, let's say you're diabetic. Obviously, I'm honing in on those carbohydrates and those sugars, and I'm looking to see how many sugars per day. Diabetics are really used to reading those. If we're a bodybuilder and we're working on leaning out, simple sugars are not going to be with it. If you're a, an endurance athlete, when I was working at Hospital for Special Surgery, doing research for athletic performance there, um, I worked with a lot of endurance athletes. Do you think I'm giving them the same guidelines that I give a bodybuilder? <laughs> Heck no. no. You know, like I was encouraging, you know, them to drink chocolate milk or, you know, post-workout. There's a completely different technique when I'm looking at um, high endurance athletes compared to um, some bodybuilding, power movement, you know, strength goals, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that a lot of times what people do is just kind of look at the label and just want to, Get, they get overwhelmed. What I encourage people to do is pick one or two items on the label that seem to align with what they're interested in and learn a lot about that item because learning about all of them can be overwhelming. The most most important is going to be your serving size and mm-hmm. the calories. So and that's silly, but it's number one, right? <laughs> that That is number one. I'm glad you brought that up. So, so serving size, right? I'm Dr. May, I want you to get back to that, okay? So hold that thought. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you all a quick funny story about serving sizes. Me, okay. I love cereal. Like cereal, it to me never gets old. You can eat it at college or one semester. I know for a fact I lived out cereal. So with serving sizes, right? For me, I used to fill up the bowl. Like I used to be like, oh, it's one serving, just pouring it up. So I bought, I invested my money into a food scale, right? So I looked at the at the box. It would be like fifty four grams is whatever calories and all this stuff so i actually measured my stuff out and you can do this with a scale or you can go buy those little cups and measure your your stuff out to what the box says and y'all i swear to you if you want to i have never been so disappointed in my life and what a <laughs> serving size a serving size of cereal is like i'm eating like three servings at a time so it's like i'm like this is nothing and so i'm like if you look at a lot of foods that you eat and actually like weigh it out or see what a serving is, I'm telling you, you'll be you'll be you'll be shocked for sure. So that was my funny story on serving sizes, but make sure you you're, you're getting the right serving because if like I know with Gatorades and stuff, like if you buy the bigger ones, it'll say on the back two and a half servings. So even though it's one bottle, they break down the caloric uh benefits or values as per serving, so per eight ounces or whatever. So 
you know that's that's mm-hmm. a good topic. But Doctor, I'll let you dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> no, that no, that's a that's a great topic. I really like um, that example. Oh, and a, a quick tip I'll give on that because um, I'm all about making people feel not overwhelmed when it comes to these topics. And mm-hmm. when it comes to when I get a, a new client that's new to measuring, like you're describing, I they're like, man, I got to measure everything out. I'm like, trust me, man. In a couple weeks you won't need to get the measuring cup out. You'll be able to eyeball it close enough. I just want you to get an idea. Exactly. Right? And so it's, sure, the best thing in a little $10 scale, you don't even got to get a fancy one at um, any big box store, is going to give you this perspective of, okay, that's what four ounces of meat looks like. Okay, that's what the cereal looks like. So all I really want people to do is do it for a couple of weeks. If you want to do it after that, you can. But it just gives you that perspective, and then you can kind of, gauge in your head okay i'm under overeating under eating you know um so that's a point on that and i think um so back to the serving size i think you honestly summed it up perfect with that that example is we just we need to be aware of how much we are eating under eating the second item i would say to focus on is the carbohydrate and the breakdown of details of the carbohydrate um just because that is really what's going to take away the carbohydrate fear phenomenon that currently exists in America. Because mm-hmm. um, other countries don't have this carbohydrate fear phenomenon. Oh, you're eating bread, I only eat half. I can't believe you're doing this. You eat pasta. You know, Italians don't see pasta as scary because Italians don't eat a gluttonous amount of pasta when they eat it. So we've decided that, you know, carbohydrates are unhealthy. If you're athlete and you perform, hopefully you see that as the most critical element of your diet. But for people that are working more on the um, aesthetic piece or just that healthy heart and um, well-being piece, you know, the carbohydrates need to be there. So the two elements under carbohydrates that tell you whether or not this is what exactly you need, the dietary fiber, I say a good trick to kind of tell you if it's going to be a good spot. Because you're like, oh, it has fiber. It has one gram. It's good. A good trick to say, hey, this is a good source of fiber compared to other options is four grams. I challenge you to find an item out there that's four to five grams. You will find it, but I challenge you because it means that 90% of the stuff on the shelf that's a carbohydrate does not have the element. If what you're looking at, none of the items have four grams of dietary fiber, probably not a good source of carbohydrate if we're talking about picking a good source. The other mm-hmm. element is going to be uh, sugar. You know, there's um, added sugars, there's natural sugars that come from it. Don't be fooled by all the different words. Oh, no added sugars. Well, if it still has 34 grams of natural sugar, we're done for the day. You know, like that's still a lot of sugar. Right. So that helps you to see that one carbohydrate item. Like cereal is a good example. There, there's so many cereals out there. You can find cereals that have less than five grams. You can find cereals that have 35 grams. And so if you're like, yeah, I just want to have a, a cup, one eight ounce cup. A, a cereal because I'm still trying to stay on point, but it's really going to give me that, you know, you know, that sanity piece, you know, feeling like I'm not depriving myself as I think is a really critical piece that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You're going to pick a cereal. You're going to make a informed decision to pick something maybe in the middle. So you're not picking the most extreme frosty flakes. You're not picking shredded wheat because that's just not your thing. Okay, let's find something in the middle. Okay, are you okay with 10 grams? It, it doesn't really matter the mm-hmm. number because Obviously, my bodybuilder is, is going to be allowed to have zero grams. <laughs> and my person that is, is working on just making, not eating fast food, I'm going to maybe give different guidelines. But at least you just know to compare. I want you to compare the items that you like to see the, the values of dietary fiber and sugar and see how many good choices there are and how um, 
you can make some good choices, but it's just going to take a little work and research. And, and y'all, I'm going to tell y'all, like, y'all know I keep, I'm a realistic person, and I like to talk to y'all like real people, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> so I do have mm-hmm. to use myself as an example mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff. So with dieting, right, we, we talked a lot about food, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably what we're going to get to today. Unfortunately, I got, I wish I'd get to the rest of it, but as far as food mm-hmm. goes, um, dietary fiber is very important. You, you know, you have soluble and insoluble, but you, you don't worry about all that. But fiber is very important. Um, and the reason I say it mm-hmm. is, like, a lot of times when people diet, especially when you go on these diets where you may be consuming a lot of, uh, you know, not as many carbs, a lot of protein, um, diaper is even more important. I mean, di- yeah, fiber, not diet, not diet, fiber is even more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying it's not to be nasty, but <laughs> you don't want to be bagged up, man. Because when you do high protein, it takes your body more to process that and break it down and get it out. Um, again, mm-hmm. I use myself as, a, as an example. Uh, I'm kind of like an old person, a mentality as far as when it goes to uh, BMs in a day. <laughs> so, like, if I'm not having at least oh, one to true. two, I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, and I start getting right, concerned. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm serious. That is what my old people think. That is what my old people think. <laughs> I'm going to give you some steps to say, hey, man, as a doctor, all I ask about is bowel movements, like, every day. So, man, I, you're... you're this is real, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, everybody does it. This is real. Yeah, I, I'm being like normal about it because I mean I'm old. Like I'm like oh I'm about to die. Some some is off, but you want to make sure that whenever you're on a diet or whenever you're doing whatever that you are using the bathroom normally. And I find it funny yeah. because I have talked to yeah. many people who are like, oh I only go once a week or I go two or three times a week, mm-hmm. and that's not mm-hmm. really. I mean to me, it's not really normal. Um. You want to make sure that your body is processing everything, is taking food in, getting food out, and that you're feeling your best. One thing I can say about these these foods and stuff that we've talked about is, you know, if you make the choice to eat right, eat healthier, make better decisions, even if you go and y'all go out to eat, you go out to eat with your family or whatever, and you eat and you consume and you listen to your body and you say, okay, I'm full, I'm stopping there, you're going to feel a whole lot better than you have probably in a while. And you won't really want to make horrible eating eating decisions once you get to feeling better. Your joints are feeling better. You're moving more fluidly. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You will, you will make better choices. But like I said, I can't put enough, enough uh, importance on the fact of getting plenty of fiber because a lot of people un- under-consume that as well. And that's a very important uh, nutrient to have mm-hmm. in your body. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out the fiber and let's emphasize the importance of the fiber coming from good carbohydrate sources, because I know probably you probably don't want to delve into the supplement uh, question. So we're all just going to add it on to this aspect is, you know, when you start to just say, okay, I'm going to take this fiber uh, supplement over the counter, dump it in my drink, boom, I got my 25 grams. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm good to go. Okay. Um, Did we try to get it from the food? (laughs) When you look at supplementation, yeah. um, I look at supplementation is first step is what is missing from the diet. Exactly. Right? If you if you're if you are not having a, a lack of of uh, protein in your diet, why are we taking um, extra protein powder? Because your your diet's off point with protein. Why are you taking that? Well, I just I thought I need to. Uh, from the analysis, the protein grams are fine. Why 
why are you taking vitamin D? You're actually one of the few people that don't have vitamin D deficiency. Mm-hmm. You're good. Why are you not taking vitamin D? You know, when I look at supplementation, just with the dietary fiber one is a very common one because it's actually very hard for people to get the 25 grams. But I, I, you know, just to loop that concept in about supplementation is I really look at um, supplementation means fulfilling deficits that don't aren't present in each individual. Mm-hmm. Supplementation should be taken on a case-by-case basis. And there are, obviously, there are a lot of people that don't need any supplements. I mean, believe it or not, it's not like you're going to get there faster. There, I could go all day. And I'll, I, actually, no, I do have a, I forgot I have a podcast um, episode on that. Episode two, I think I talk about supplementation and some of the science behind why I don't believe um, certain supplements work and which ones do and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to make sure that we're getting everything we can from Whole Foods and only supplementing what we absolutely need to. That that that's uh that's very important and very key and um you know you can get and fall into the mix of course a lot of you first thing you do you say I'm about to lose weight let me go to the supplement store let me run to it and mm-hmm. when you run to that store like I love Nutra Shop here in Tupelo you know you guys know I'm a fan of Nutra Shop because he actually Adam actually talks to you talks you through mm-hmm. the supplements you need what you're missing looks at what you're eating what you're doing daily and helps you mow through those problems. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in particular because I, when I was in high school, GNC was my thing, man. I was a GNC head. But sometimes when you go to bigger sure. stores, uh, not saying that in GNC in particular, but other stores and things like that where people may not be as knowledgeable and they're more on the sales pitches, be very careful because, like she said, you may not, you may be one of the few that don't need a little extra protein. You may not need as much vitamin D. You actually may need some zinc. You may need something like that in order to help you feel a little bit better, in order for your body to, to to do what it needs to do. Because we're all human. We're all different. We're all made our own way. And so we all miss different pieces within our diets that everybody's not cookie cutter, so everybody ain't missing the same thing. So um, make sure that you, you know, one of the key, impo- key points, I know we about to, I'm about to wrap it up. One of the key points is, I will say this, whenever you're sitting down, you're about to make your diet out, right? The two or three days before you actually go on that diet, at least two to three days, I always say this, take what you're eating, regardless of what it is, no matter how junky it is, no matter how bad it is, take what you're eating and write it out or put it in my fitness pile. That way you see kind of where you starting it. Like, cause if you eat 4,000 calories a day, which ain't uncommon, and you eating 250 to 300 grams of carbs and all that stuff, then in order to lose weight, just start with small changes, small steps. And that makes it easier Rather than saying, well, I'm eating this one day, the next day I'm going cold turkey, and I'm going to start on the the mm-hmm. juice diet that I'm drinking 10 juices a day, and my hair is falling out, and I look like I'm about to shoot somebody. <laughs> so, I mean, let's let's be smart about it, you know, because you'll stick with it longer if you're smarter about it. Yep. So. Exactly. I <laughs> Dr. Maven, I got to ask you this, right? So, mm-hmm. we're going into a conclusion. We, I'm gonna have to get you back at some point because <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, for sure. We just we just the surface. Yeah, so much more we 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 want to get into. Um, <laughs> could you leave us with at least one health tip? At least one. If you have more, that's fine. But it, at least one health tip, um, to help make better decisions, whether that's with food or exercise or just living this life that we choose to live each and every day, quarantine style. Uh, sure. Give a, give us some he- a health tip or so. 
Yeah, yeah. So I got I got three for you. I got two that are just little quick knowledge bombs, and I got kind of a, a little bigger statement. So two little quick little science bombs, because you guys will learn about me. I'm big on science is what guides my my ideals, my recommendations, and my opinions. I don't just come out with just I I believe this because I believe it. I'm science based. That's the, the benefit of going, doing all this ridiculous amount of school. So first, realize that. If you can do something consistent for seven days straight, it's been shown that that behavior can be modified. If you can just stick for to seven days, you'll have some progress with that with that behavior. So whether it be um, getting up to walk and setting that alarm to get out of bed at 6 a.m., whether it's to drink one liter of water because you're just starting out every day for seven days. If you can push through that seven day of that behavior modification, um, there is uh, science that shows that there's more likely that that will um, be something that you could sustain. I use that as um, as a, a place to make it easier mm-hmm. for us because if you feel like, okay, I, can, I just need to do this for seven days and you set that, that as your first goal for this new, new thing you're trying to implement, that sounds better than I'm going to do this for forever or 30 days or having no endpoint. But you say, okay, man, if I could just not eat dessert every night for seven days, that is more... Um, bite size of a first step and we know that that gets you moving forward mm-hmm. to that point our ch- our taste buds on our tongue change over every 10 days so there is science based on if you can avoid any particular item that is you know your your vice you know everybody has that little vice item oh man i gotta have this every night i can't go three days without this try doing it for 10 days mm-hmm. and not only do you have that seven day time frame on for behavior change, but you also have a little bit of push from this taste buds in your tongue changing over to give you a little bit of progression away from craving that food from a biological level on the cell level. Um, and so those are the two science points. And then my, my third and final point will be just when I look at people making a change, the number one thing I see, and I'm sure you see this as well, is on Monday, I'm going to start getting up at 6 a.m. I'm going to start working out <laughs> one hour in the morning hour at night i'm gonna pack my lunch i'm gonna meal prep every sunday yeah i'm gonna do and guess what they haven't worked out in three months they haven't ever meal prep they don't even have the containers to put the food in Mm -hmm. they don't have to walk i mean i'm not saying i'm unimpressed by the level of work that you've done i'm pointing out you're trying to do too much all right trying to do too much i want everybody when they think about making a change to think about not even changing the whole diet if you're trying to do it at home Try just changing one food item. Try just changing one drink item. Mm-hmm. Try going out to dinner one less time. When you say you want to walk, first work on getting up in the morning and just sitting in your house. If you can't even get up, then making it to the gym or making it out to wherever you're training right now because of quarantine, making it outside to go to that area is going to be extra challenging. Mm-hmm. So baby steps are the key and don't be afraid for that uh, baby step goal to feel small. Because you need to conquer that small goal. Hey, if you nail it, nail it, and that's done in five, seven days, okay, cool. Well, up to Annie. Mm-hmm. But don't pick 9,000 big goals and then, you know, be mad when you fail. Because everything would tell us you likely are not going to be able to do all that. Mm-hmm. You know, and plus it's not, you know, that's overwhelming. You know, you, know, you want this to be fun. And that's another thing I will say before we wrap up. Women, don't forget what she said earlier in this podcast. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Guys, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to ask for help. If you don't know where to go, 
don't be afraid. And also know whenever you do ask people for meal plans or whatever, if you're not a bodybuilder, just say it when they writing it out. Because <laughs> I've tried mm-hmm. to follow a bodybuilder's uh, eating regimen before, and I know my body. I'm like, if I ain't get enough carbs in, I can't go out there and train people after a whole day if I only ate 150 grams of carbs or 120 grams. I feel like going to sleep. <laughs> so, you know, that's 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 where you have to you have to know what you're trying to do, know your goal, and make it attainable, uh, and take those baby steps. Um, one last thing, Doctor May, before you go, because you know, I know you know you, you threw in your nuggets, but I want you to throw in your whole plug. Uh, what's the name of your podcast so people can go check it out? Oh yeah, thanks. So my podcast is Healthy Three Sixty Five, and it's on all, all the platforms um, on Apple Podcasts, Anchor everywhere i think it's about 10 different places you google it you can find healthy 365 um you definitely are free to check that out um i also am open to receiving questions on instagram simone maben um you can email me simone.maben at gmail any questions at all remember i'm a doctor but nothing i gave you in this podcast should be considered medical advice make sure you contact your own physician before you implement any new programs any new supplements, any changes at all. Um, mm-hmm. We're just trying to share some fun information, but definitely make sure you seek a medical professional before starting this plan. There you go. Um, I remember, guys, take all these jewels, pick them up, put them in your bag, look over them later. Make sure that you're doing things you need to do each and every day. Make sure that you're making the right choices, the right decisions to be the best version of yourself that you can be each and every single day, whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, what have you. Do those things and be legendary.